Thank you, uh, Pastor David. If you don't know, David and Alicia have uh, been with us for several years now, two or three years at least. And David graduated from Mount Vernon and he uh, is um, currently enrolled at the Nazarene Seminary, Theological Seminary. And he's, he's actually, you got your first district license this summer, or second district license. There was a gap of a year as he transitioned to this district. And, and so we, we love you guys. And, and I think there's something even bigger happening for you guys in the coming days, right? Like, like the two shall become three. Is that, is that what's happening? So yeah, thank you, David, for praying this morning. Have you ever been stranded? Anybody ever been stranded? Yeah. yeah. You ever been somewhere where your car went out and you couldn't get a hold of anybody to, to help you? You know, we live in the day of cell phones. And so you, you, you young whippersnappers with your cell phones where you could just call somebody and get help. You guys remember the days when you had car trouble in the middle of nowhere, you had to find a house and hope when you knock on the door, they didn't have a gun, right? <laughs> I can remember one time I was probably in ninth grade, eighth grade, uh, we were coming back from Kansas City. We'd moved to Kansas City and we were coming back to Connersville and we were coming across I-70 past Terre Haute and this was back in, in, in the 1970s. I know that, that sounds weird to say now. Doesn't the 1970s sound a long time ago? Yeah. So there you go, 1970s. Was there even a decade? <laughs> and as we passed Terre Haute, our car went out. It was like 2 a.m. in the morning. And, uh, and our car went out, and we were five miles from the exit we just passed and five miles to the exit, next exit. <laughs> And we just sat there. We were stranded. You know, we're getting out of the car. We're looking. You, you can see there was some sort of factory, but, you know, some sort of plant of some type, but it didn't look like to be functioning. We were stranded. And it was, it was the kindness of a stranger that stopped and took my dad somewhere and thankfully took him there and didn't take him and, you know, do something bad to him. And, and we got the car going, but we were stranded. All of us have been like that. We, we, we've been in situations where we feel like we're all alone and no one can help us. And no one wants to feel completely alone. Amen? No one wants to feel that, that you're on your own and there's no one there to help you. Even in physical situations, we, we don't want to be stranded in a car. We don't, want to, we, we don't want to be stuck at home with no way to communicate with anybody. We, we don't want to be stranded on our own. The, the, the sad news is sometimes we feel like we're all alone when we're surrounded by people. Uh, we, we can be going through circumstances, and some of you may feel, you, you, in this crowded sanctuary this morning, there's some of you sitting out there that you feel like you're all alone. You feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, and you don't know which way to turn. Maybe you're dealing with, with financial issues. Now, financial issues are hard, I mean, and, and when things go south, they can go south so quick. Or maybe it's a, a, a family issue, a relationship issue. Maybe it's a health problem you don't feel like you can talk to anybody about. Maybe it's something with parenting. Parenting can be a lonely task. Amen? Amen. Maybe it's pastoring. Pastoring can be a lonely task too. Feel sorry for me just for a second, okay? Oh. <laughs> maybe it's an addiction. Maybe you're dealing with an addiction. Maybe there's something serious going on and you're doing all you can or you're trying all you can, but you just can't overcome that addiction that's grabbed hold of you. And you don't know who to ask or where to turn, but you feel like you're all alone. 
No one wants to feel completely alone. And the good news is, you are not alone. Jesus is here. <laughs> and we're beginning our Christmas series. And uh, Jesus here. And, and there's, um, we did a book, or I did a book that's accompanying this. And, and the hard copies are out there. We've got 30 or so hard copies. I'd, I'd prefer we use the e-books. We, we sent out, there should be an email this morning with the PDF of the a hard file uh, for, for those of you who want to do that and a link to a Kindle uh, app or a Kindle, an Amazon app that you can get it on Kindle for free. From Sunday through Thursday, it's free. That's the only way I could do it was Sunday through Thursday. That's all they allowed me is do five days. After that, we'll figure out a way to get it if you need it. Uh, but, but get it, load it, download it. I, I think it'll help you as you go through this series with us together. Uh, if we need more prints, just let us know. But we're beginning our Christmas series. And some of you are saying, yay, Christmas. And, you know, Josh is saying, yay, Christmas. Can we sing Christmas songs? You know, can we put the decorations up? You know, can I open presents? And, and some of you are like, yay, it's Christmas time already. And some of you <laughs> are not. You're saying, bah, humbug. No, you may not be saying that. But, but you're saying, Christmas already? What about Thanksgiving. Here's the good news for you. We are not canceling Thanksgiving, all right? We are not canceling Thanksgiving. Go on about your regular activities. In fact, next week at the church, right, we have our Thanksgiving dinner at 5 o'clock, and we're even going to auction that lovely quilt on the back wall. And so you can see it, see it there. Isn't that beautiful? We'll auction that, and the proceeds are going to... The parking lot, okay? So that is, that is a part of the parking lot right there. And uh, don't, we're not canceling Thanksgiving. You, you, you don't have to decorate yet. You know, there's no pressure because I'm in a Christmas series for you to go decorate your houses. You, you don't have to go make Christmas cookies, although that sounds pretty good, right? You, you, you don't have to finish shopping. You don't have to wrap presents. You, you don't have to do all those things associated with Christmas yet. There is one requirement, though. Every week you have to watch a Christmas story before the sermon, okay, just to get you in the mood. <laughs> well, I thought that was funnier, but I guess it wasn't. <laughs> but we're focusing on Jesus here, what that means. What does it really mean? And, you know, it's a good churchy thing. It's a good Christian thing to say, well, Jesus is here. And, you know, we'll all say amen, and you said amen. And, and, and it's, it's, it's a good theological thing that we say that Jesus is here. And when we're, we're talking about that, we're, we're not just simply focusing on the birth of Jesus. But what we're really going to be focusing on in this series is the entirety of his life and what it brought. You know, Jesus didn't stay a baby, and we all know that. He became a man. He lived a life. He died a death. He, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And, and after that, God sent by the work of Jesus Christ, because of the work of Jesus Christ, he sent the Holy Spirit. And so Christmas, as the beginning of the event, the event changed everything. Amen. The, the Christ event is not a point in history. It is a change in history. It means Emmanuel, God with us. It means Jesus here. That's the point. 
You know, the birth and all the narratives are important because we begin to see God's love for ordinary people and Jesus wanting to be part of ordinary life. But the totality of Jesus' life gives us the hope, the belief, the faith that we are not alone, but Jesus is here. Matthew 1, 18 through 23 says this. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary... Uh, was pledged to be married to Joseph. They were engaged. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Um, Can we just stop there for a second? Two verses. Two verses is describing extreme human anguish. It is. I mean, the, the, Joseph, you know, it'd be easy if Joseph said, oh, well, enough of you. But, but you can tell from his response that Joseph at least had some sort of compassion towards Mary. There is this, these two verses are full of emotion. And as you read that, in our life, isn't it true that oftentimes we have these circumstances that are just full of emotion. There is full of drama. That Joseph is not, where, where do I go? What do I do? What's the answer here? And then we get the good news. God shows up. Aren't you glad that God shows up in your moments of anguish? <laughs> but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And everybody said, Amen. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, at the end of this emotional narrative, we have this good news from the angel. I, I, I appreciate Joseph in the narrative, and, and we don't learn a lot about Joseph through the biblical narrative. I mean, he, he's gone when, when Jesus is an adult, as far as we can tell, and, and so there's just these few short verses, but, but we see a good man struggling, trying to do the right thing. And we have an angel showing up in the middle of the night and telling him, here's the right thing, but it's going to be a really hard thing. This is the right thing, but it's hard. Anybody ever been there? And, and, you know, and this is a dream. This isn't the angel showing up. Moses, or Joseph's waking up. Uh, you know, I'm glad Joseph didn't say, man, what did I eat to cause me to dream that, right? But he obeyed. And so we see a good man in an emotional moment doing the right thing. There's nothing about Joseph, and and this is all over the story, and and we've heard a thousand different sermons on this, but you can't go through this story without mentioning this. God uses ordinary people. His story is populated over and over, not with the rich and famous, but with the ordinary, with the normal, with the day-to-day people, just like you and I. And I believe God does that so that when we read these stories, it's not difficult to put ourselves in Joseph's place. 
and realize that through obedience, God can use us in outstanding, tremendous ways, bigger than us. The primary to the story, the promise of the story is this, Emmanuel, God with us. We can really experience God. In this service today, in, in your private times, out in the world, just, just as we go about it, we can really experience God because of Jesus here. Now, understand that what Jesus did did not change God. God is and always has been omnipresent. God has not changed because of Jesus. God remains the same. He is eternally the same. God has always been love. God has always been righteous. God has always been omnipresent. And and the, the psalmist writes it like this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and light will become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. God is and always has been omnipresent. The Christ event did not change God, it changed us. It changed our ability to experience and receive the Holy Spirit and receive and understand the presence of God. You can, I can, we can experience God. We can experience Jesus Christ through the power, through the person of the Holy Spirit today. That's the significance of Jesus here. But practically, what what does Jesus here mean to me in in a practical way? Can we look at John's description? John 1.14. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, now you know, we see this, He's dwelling among us, but, but the literal translation of this verse, literally what John is saying is, he's saying the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. John doesn't use the imagery of the temple, the static one-location temple, the built temple, the glory of Israel, Solomon's temple. He doesn't use the temple. He uses the simple tabernacle that they built when they were wandering in the wilderness when in the book of Exodus. Later on, we see in Revelation 21, we see this language again. In Revelation 21, it's, it's this great, in times, this great um, image of God being with his people. And, you know, God will wipe the tears from everyone's eyes. And it says in that scripture, the tabernacle of God is among men. Tabernacle. Amen. Instead of temple, tabernacle. 
Now, the people of Israel, temple was more significant. But obviously, in the New Testament, the ideal of tabernacle becomes very high, very significant. Now, the, the tabernacle was portable. If you guys, if, if, if you never read the story, God, when the people of Israel come out of uh, slavery in Egypt, God says, I want you to build me a tabernacle. And he gives them the dimensions. And it's this portable building that wherever they go, they build this tabernacle right in the center of their camp. God is in the center of their camp. Wherever they are, here's God. Okay, let's move over here. Well, God's right here. Well, let's, and, and wherever they went, they would move this tabernacle with them. Now, now eventually, when they, when they seized the promised land, that tabernacle began to find itself in one centralized location. And, and they, they began to ask God, this was not God's initiative, this was the king's initiative, King David, I believe, was the first, began to ask God to allow him to build a temple for God. And God said, no, I, you know, no, don't build a temple. But eventually God relented and he let David's son, Solomon, build a temple. And so they built this big temple in, on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, and this became the centralized location of God. But there was issues with this. For, for one thing, the, the people of Israel began to worship the building. You see all sorts of instances. In one instance, um, Moses, when they were in the wilderness, had, had made a, they were, they were disputing Moses and they were being bitten by snakes. And so Moses uh, has this bronze snake uh, cast and he lifts it up in the, in the wilderness. They come to it and they're saved. And so they put that in their temple. And eventually they get to the point where they are worshiping that bronze snake. And God has it destroyed. The furnishings are never more important than God. Amen. Not that we're going to do it, but, but, but I'll, just, I'll just say, we could paint this room black, but it's not more important than God. Amen. We major on the silliest things. Our world is going to hell, and we are fighting about the stupidest things in the church. It's time that we focus on what matters, God. Another instance, there, that Solomon's temple has been destroyed, and, and they, uh, they're building another one. And, and, and it's, it's not as nice as Solomon's temple. And God says, what are you doing? talking about as nice as Solomon's temple. Jesus is going to walk in that temple. See, they began to worship the building instead of the God it was meant to guide them into relationship with. Not only that, they began to use it as a means to hide from God. And this, to our sensibilities, this sounds completely stupid. Right, but, but they began to think that God's presence was only in the temple. That he was hidden behind that, that curtain. And, and that's where God was. And so they could do what they wanted out here. But then when they came to church, they could worship and raise their hands as if God didn't see. And that's why when Jesus cast out the money changers, he says, you've made my father's house a den of thieves. What's a den? A den of thieves means this is a place where thieves go after they've robbed somebody. 
So, so Jesus is clearly unhappy with the, the, the temple system, but he's also unhappy with the people because they're hiding in church. It makes them feel good. They feel like they're doing their due diligence. We don't have a temple now, but we have religion. And sometimes religion operates as our temple. And sometimes worship services operate as our temple. I love our worship services. But but our worship services are not designed so that we can feel good for a few moments so we can do what we want the rest of the week. Amen? Amen? See, God in John and in Revelation uses the phrase tabernacle. And see, the tabernacle was meant to be present in their ordinary life, wherever they found themselves. So Jesus is present to our ordinary, everyday life. I want you to know, this, this is good news. Maybe you think it's not, but it, and, and, and maybe, maybe if you're wanting to do your own thing Monday through Saturday, it's not good news. But the, the good news is, if you want to experience his presence, you don't want to feel stranded, is that wherever you find yourself this week, Jesus is there. Amen. In your ordinary life. Jesus cares about your ordinary life. Cares about my ordinary life. He cares about me even when I've messed up. You know, Jesus is present to you, can be present to you for forgiveness even when you've sinned. Jesus is here. In the book, we wrote this. This is the hope of Jesus here. Jesus here means God is present to common, ordinary, fragile people in their common, ordinary, sometimes less than perfect lives. (laughs) That's good news for me. Because I got to tell you, I don't feel worthy of God's presence. Not, not only because of, 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 that I feel ordinary, but there's been times that I've messed up. And even still in my life, I'm less than perfect. Sometimes I'm shorter with my family than I should be. Say amen, Spencer. <laughs> Man, you didn't say amen quick enough. Oh, wait. <laughs> See? Sometimes, and I know, no one else is like this. Sometimes when people cut me off in traffic. I'm tempted to honk my horn. If I could only find it. See, we're all like that, aren't we? We look at our lives and we think, why would God have any concern about me? But he does. And we look at our life and we see blemishes and flaws. And we think, man, I really don't want God to be directing his attention at me. But he does. Jesus is here. God is here. Emmanuel. In your Monday overloaded work life, God's desire is for Jesus to be present. And Tuesday in the midst of ordinary routine... Jesus is here. On Wednesday, Amy, when the kids are going crazy, 
when you feel like you want to tear your hair out, Jesus is there. Maybe particularly in these moments. Thursday at school, when you've got a test, when you're, you're dealing with a relationship thing in schools. Relationship, if you're a student in here, relationship stuff in school is worse than any other time in your life. Just go through it. When you become an adult, you'll look back at it and think, I didn't even really care about that that much, right? Adults say Amen. Whether you have a boyfriend or girlfriend when you're 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, whatever, it doesn't matter, okay? It will work out. Well, okay. So you don't believe me, but that's okay. <laughs> Friday when the paycheck is less than it needs to be and the finances are tight, Jesus is there. Yeah. Saturday when sin raises its ugly head and, and you're being tempted and when there's, but maybe there's an addiction issue that you're dealing with, I want you to know that Jesus is there. So, so how do we experience Jesus here? What, what, what do we do to experience Jesus here? Well, there's the obvious things. Let's, let's get the Sunday school answers out of the way, right? We read our Bible, right? Amen. Was I real loud then? I'm sorry. It's, it's still only 9.20. It's, you shouldn't be yelling at you. Do you guys want me to like sit in a chair? Would that, would that make you more comfortable if I was sitting and, and, and more relaxed? You know, I, I hear every once in a while people say, you know, God hadn't really been speaking to me. God has spoken to you, and it's in a book called the Bible. No, no one in our generation... I mean, I imagine the people that, there has been people that have bled and died so that we can have the Bible, which is an amazing thing when you think about it. But there were times when the Bible was not available to ordinary people just like us. But now we have the Bible in any way you want it. You can pull it up on your computer. You can pull it up on your phone. We even have like books that are printed that are the Bible. I know, it's It's weird. A book. And it's God's word to you. Dan used to say, take your Bible out and write in the front to and put your name. It's God's love letter to you. You have God's word. And then there's prayer. Now, we need to pray and prayer through God's word that we really can experience God's presence. Our last series was Life Together. I believe that you experience Jesus here in this place together. I do. And when you gather in small groups, as a matter of fact, Jesus says, he doesn't say we're two or three hundred gather in my name, does he? He says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be in the midst. And I don't, I wish I had complete understanding of that, but I don't. Um, I just believe the promise, you know, what, what's going on in that dynamic? Is there something special in that dynamic where two or three are gathered in his name? I, I would say this. I believe if we believe the Holy Spirit inhabits believers, right? Right? And so when I am full of the Spirit present with Josh and Josh is full of the Spirit present with me and we're focused on him, guess what? Jesus is here, <laughs> I mean, I believe that in a physical as we are, Jesus here, as God inhabits us, we can experience Jesus through one another. But not only that, I believe there's something 
mysterious, something Mysterious isn't the right word. Something above my understanding. And when it comes to God, I'm your pastor, but let me, let me tell you, when it comes to God, there is a whole lot above my pay level, right? And there's something that happens when God's people gather and pray and read his word. Amen. And I've said this over, you know, you know Read your Bible personally, but God's word is intended to be read in community. It's a communal book that we read together and we learn together. Something happens when the people of God gather together. But let me talk about a less obvious one. Serve the marginalized. Serve those who have been forgotten. Watch out for the widow and the orphan. Have compassion for the immigrant. Not popular language right now, I know, I understand. But, but there's something that happens when God's people care for those on the margins of society. You, you ever read the Gospels and where Jesus goes? Jesus goes places good, respectable people wouldn't go. You can't read it any other way. And Jesus has those gathered around him, and we're going to start talking about this next week more. He has those gathered around him that would maybe make, make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. Jesus has whores gathered around him. And I said a blatant word to kind of wake you up just a little bit, Okay. Yeah, imagine if you're sitting at home and there's four prostitutes at home. Now, Terry would be mad if she came home and I had four <laughs> prostitutes at home. I'm not saying, men, hear me, okay? Let's not get in trouble here. Lepers. Now, now see, to us, lepers, oh, so that's somebody sick. No. That was somebody completely unclean that you shouldn't even have any contact with, that to have contact with made you unclean. And they're gathered around Jesus. Tax collectors? Yeah, they, we, we probably still feel the same about tax collectors, don't we? <laughs> no, they, these guys were thieves. You know, when, when you th think of Matthew and you think of Zacchaeus, these weren't just government functionaries. These were thieves. That they had a, an amount they had to take, but they took that amount plus. And, 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 you know, you wouldn't know what amount they was giving you, whether it was right or not. They took and they stole from good, honest people. So, so sitting around your kitchen table, eating dinner, is the guy everybody in town hates because he's done everybody wrong. These are the people that are gathered around Jesus. And then we find his, his word, Matthew 25, he says that, he says, and it's this long parable about end times and coming before judgment. And, and, and he's talking about how you, 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 you fed him when he was hungry, you clothed him when he was naked, and, and you cared for him when he was sick, you visited him in prison. And, and Jesus, they asked Jesus, when did we ever do this? Or they asked the, the Heavenly Father, when they ever did this? And, and he said, when you did it unto the least of these, you did it unto me. In, in other words, 
To be Jesus here is to experience Jesus here. Can I say it again? Listen to this, folks. I'm telling you that this is, this is a difference maker in the way we think. To be Jesus here is to experience Jesus here. See, we wait. Say, so, oh yeah, I see that. I see that map on the back wall, and, 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 I, and I think, oh yeah, I see that. And, and I'll serve there when I really feel like I have it all together. When things are going good, when God's presence is full, then I'm going to serve. But the point is not getting everything together first. The point is experiencing Him and allowing Him to put your life together, right? And we do this by serving those on the margins. Now, we have many ways you can do this. On, we're, on November 28th, we're handing out scarves. Now, not all those people are going to be people on the margins, but there'll be people who will be expressing Jesus' love. We're trying to be Jesus here in our community. And as you stand on a street corner on November 28th from 415 or 445 to 615, is that right? Four, five to eight. <laughs> that is not what the sign says. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) I was just reading the sign. But you can be Jesus here. You can show the love of Jesus, right? I mean, and you don't have to have, you don't have to have all your finances together. You don't have to have all your relationships together. You don't have to have your entire life set in place to hand out a scarf. And see if you don't experience the presence of Jesus in serving. Upward. I mean, we we need people. We need people just to to love people and greet people. And it's a big ordeal. Eric, it's a big, upward's a big, big ordeal. We need a lot of people. And, and, And over the years, in the last two years, I've heard compliment after compliment about you folks how inviting you are, how open, how welcoming you are, how, how kind you are. And you're showing Jesus here. And I'd venture to guess that some of you would say, you know, that's been the easiest time of service, and yet just serving, I just feel the presence of God. The compassion kids are still on the back wall if you, if you want to look at adopting a child from overseas. Angel tree. We'll be doing angel tree. And these are gifts for, for kids whose parents are in prison. And on December 14th, is that right? We'll be having a wrapping party and we invite you to, to be a part of that. What if your answer to spiritual dryness was not receiving more but giving more? Stop and think about that. Just, what, 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 if, what if you just felt dry and you, you felt like God was not speaking and, and, and you felt like, you know, where, where do I turn where do I go? <laughs> what if the answer was not that you needed more given, but you needed to give more? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they said in my notes, but I, I see Terry there. And Terry's been through one of the hardest years anyone can go through. 
And there's been times you felt alone. And I'm sure there's been times you felt like, why God? But Terry has continued to serve other people. And I think in that, and I don't want to speak for you, but I think this is true, in that you've experienced God in your service, haven't you, brother? See, see, we tend to withdraw and we tend to stop. When, when something goes wrong, we say, well, oh, I can't teach that class. I can't serve in that ministry. I can't love in that way because everything's not all together for me. I sometimes tell people in counseling when they're going through hard times like this, oftentimes I'll say, why don't you find a place to serve <laughs> and see what God can do? Stand with me if you will. Amy, could you come and just play something real gently? It's been um, five or six weeks since we opened altars and had just an altar time. And I just think we need to this morning. I don't know if we'll do it every, every week, but maybe you just want to give God thanks for Jesus here. Maybe you're just thinking about, oh man, this is so awesome what, what God has done and, and, and I'm just going to give him praise. I know there's several serious needs. Phyllis Hoffman's sister passed away. And uh, her visitation is tomorrow, and funeral will be Tuesday at Ingram's. And so uh, we're praying for Phyllis and Don. Phyllis has been through an ordeal herself. Maybe, maybe it's just the cares of life, and, and, and maybe you're just not sensing like you'd like. Maybe he's given you a point of obedience, and, and you just haven't obeyed. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. We're going to wait just for a second. We invite you, encourage you to come if you'd like to come, and then I'm going to close this in prayer. Father, I feel your presence here. You're attentive to us. Even though we're not worthy, our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags to you. But you impute, you impart the righteousness of Jesus upon us. You see us differently because of what Jesus did on that cross and you raise us to life with him. New creations. Our very name is written on the palms of your hand and you invite us to pray. And Lord, you listen and you care. Jesus stands before the Heavenly Father and makes intercession on our behalf right now because He understands. He has been tempted and tried in every way that we have been. So Lord, we have peace. We have hope. We have a, a firm faith that, that You hear when we pray. In fact, You even hear those things that we don't pray because your Holy Spirit prays for us when we don't even know what to say. How he loves us. So Lord, we lift our hearts to you. We lift our lives to you. And we pray, Lord, that you will um, help us Help us, Lord, not to be so focused on ourselves that we can't experience you. Help us to give and to love and, and know, Lord, that it's, 
It's not just something we do when we feel like we have everything completely together, but it's something the body of Christ does because we are the body of Christ. Lord, I thank you for each person in this room today. And and Lord, those that couldn't gather with us today, Lord, I pray that you'll bless them and keep them. Lord, may um, may we truly experience Jesus here. And Lord, may we not leave it there, but Lord, may we truly be Jesus here. Thank you, Lord, for these times. Thank you for the the, the Spirit's presence today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you exit the back of the sanctuary, there's a map. And uh, we invite you to put a place pin where you live, just so we can kind of get a visual of, of where the church is and where Jesus is in this community. God bless. You are dismissed.